yeah, don't don't go too fast. Like basics are the most important. Like the basics are basically their product research, the basics of copywriting, understanding your customer, the conversion rates, optimization principles, everything, and then you can like go into techniques that gonna get, get you to, to scale. You know? You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. The big five markets come up quite a bit on this show, and for good reason. They're where most of us strategize. My guest today, Florian Tepp, bucks this trend, and as we always say, when faced with conflicting information, we head towards it face first. We talk about the incentive to sell in alternative markets, which maybe you've considered, maybe you haven't, but you will now. Have a listen. Florian Tepp, it is good to have you here on Ecomonics. How are you doing this evening? How are you feeling? Hi, Joseph. I'm great. How are you? Awesome. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. It's, uh, it's 10 p.m. for you, 10 a.m. for me. So uh, there is a dis- there, there's a distinct um, change in, you know, you've had like your full day energy. I've had my, I just had my breakfast energy. Uh, so we're <laughs> looking to meet in the middle. I, I, okay, well, we're, we're going to get into like, you know, the e-commerce good stuff, but I'm dying to know uh, for our, for our video audience, what is it that you have like wrapped up in the back there? It looks like you've put a tarp over a car or something. What do you mean? In, in, in behind you? I, I can't, i sorry, I just, yeah, like it, a, it looks like it's a, a drawing, like a, I oh, no, that's art. Yeah, that's art. Yeah. What did oh, you think it I was? I thought those were your windows and there's like, I don't know, like you put your tarp, a tarp over your car <laughs> or something. I'm sorry. I no, was just like, no, it's just art. I was in the uncanny valley and I thought I was looking to your outside for it's anyways, because it's 10 PM, right? And it's dark. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mystery solved. All right. So, uh, thank you for putting up with me there audience. And of course to our guests. So let's jump into our opening question. Um, uh, Florian, let us know what do you do? What are you up to these days? So um, I started ecom like um, four years ago. I so actually my first project. So how I got into ecom? So like I was a dancer before, like uh, teaching a dance that is called yeah, kizomba. Like I was teaching internationally this dance, and my first like entrepreneurial project was to create a pl- platform to teach people how to dance online. You know. So I moved to Cambodia to work on this project. Uh, it didn't work. And then I was like, okay, I, there is no way for me to get back to France, try to find a nine to five and something like that. So I, I found out dropshipping. I think it was a YouTube video or YouTube ads, something like that about dropshipping e-commerce. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then I bought a course and I was like, okay, here we go. You know? And uh, yeah, it took me eight months to break through, crack the code. And yeah, since then I've been like, yeah, working on my business, traveling the world. Now I live in Bali and things uh, have been pretty good. So uh, to be as um, proud for this as I could, I uh, listened to your, another interview you had done. Actually, it wasn't too long ago either. It was back in uh, April with um, uh, Golden Stream Media. And there was a part of your, your story that stuck out to me about how, you know, you're over that eight month period, I suppose um, it was you know, there wasn't, it was slow, it was slow, it was slow. And oh my God, where does money come from? And like, it just kind of like hit all, all, all at once. So I just, I, I'd like to expand on that, uh, on that experience of like, 
you know, why I would have expected it would be more like a gradual increase where it goes like, you know, the the three figure range to make its way to four figure than five figure. So I would like to know a little bit more about like the evolution of how, you know, your experience went from your starting point to your your breakthrough point. Yeah, I think it was more exponential than linear. And I, and I was talking to a lot of different friends who are also entrepreneurs and they had the same experience where nothing is working at first. And uh, so it's not, you know, it's not like you, you, you passed uh, like, okay, 500 day and then 1K and 2K and so on. It just went literally from zero to like 1K to 6K to more like six figure months in just like a matter of like six weeks. And uh, it's, I think it was like an accumulation because, you know, I've been working a lot for this eight months, hustling, hustling. And then at some point it just like everything falls into place. And also I was, I had a good, uh, I, I remember I was coached by uh, two people at the time who were pretty good at what they were teaching and it just, it just blew up, you know, uh, once you understand, you know, like once you have the good information, because also the problem is that when I started, I had like this Chinese plex syndrome. I think it's, it's common for every beginner getting started where you just try to look the, the, the best technique, the best secret, uh, watching a lot of different courses, different a lot of videos and trying to find like the secret, you know, but the secret is actually to be focused, like find one course, one guy who is legit that you follow, apply his method and not being distracted uh, until you get results. And if it's not working, then just switch, find another guy who you think is legit about the e-com and follow his method until you get results. And that's when I started to focus mainly on like those in one method and, and yeah, it started to blow up. So, I mean, on, on the one hand, um, especially for, for our audience, um, many of whom are you know, looking to get to that breakthrough point, it's, it's, it's encouraging to, to hear that story, but it can also be intimidating too. Um, so what were some of the challenges that, uh, th- that you had ran into when your, your, your growth had started hitting an exponential rate? So the, the first problem I think that everyone has is the, the blocks, you know, Facebook blocking you, you have cash flow issues. Uh, so I had to borrow money from my family to scale because like, if not, I wouldn't scale as fast as I wanted to. Yeah. And of course, like, so you also discover like other problems, like with suppliers and then you need to hire a team to handle, like, because you're doing volume. So you need to hire people. So it's like, you have so much to learn on the go, but it's also very fulfilling, you know, because you, things are working and you are motivated you're like, okay, now I just have to, you have problems and find solutions. Um, so to me, that wasn't the worst part. The worst part is like this, this period of like doubt, uh, where you, you're working, you're working and nothing is working and you're doubting about yourself. You have your family telling you like, oh, are you sure? Like what you're doing is good. They don't believe much on what you're doing. And to me, that was the hardest part. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, uh, it, it's, 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 it's interesting, but we've talked about, we've, we do tend to talk about like what people's, um, with their family and their peers uh, are, are saying, although it doesn't, we, I don't know, I guess I haven't broached the subject uh, uh lately well i guess I'm, one thing i'm wondering is like what you know what your family was trying to encourage you to do uh because prior to this uh, you, you were dancing and you know in some parts of the world you would have the opposite where you have you have somebody say you know maybe instead of uh pursuing dancing maybe you should uh start your own business and so i don't know if that's what they were doing here it would have been a role reverse where it says well instead of pursuing your business maybe you should get back to dancing um, so that's the thing. Um, so my parents are, um, my background is, is, uh, Asian. Like my parents are from Cambodia and they moved to France, like because of the war and the, and they didn't have the chance to get uh, to, to do like, to study, you know, in college or university. 
you know, and so that's why they, they were pushing once we, me and my brother were born in France, they were pushing us to be, to do good at school, have the, the best uh, grades, the best, uh, attend the best school so that we can have like the best jobs. The road they had in mind was like, okay, do uh, study for like five years, get your master and then, uh, you know, master from a big school. Uh, one of the you know best friend school and then you know, find a job in a big corporate that's that was their definition of the success you know and uh, on the side so i had my student my studies and i was dancing on the side i started to make money on there and then i told them i would project because uh i explained them yeah there i think there's a lot of uh, money to make you know by there was no like no right now it's very trendy to have like online courses and stuff and especially since the covid but when I got started, there was nothing five years ago, nothing on the market. So it was a blue ocean. And if I would have like executed things properly, if I had the experience that I have now and I launched it like back in 2016, I would have crushed it for sure. You know, but yeah, I didn't have the experience, so it didn't work. And then, yeah, my parents were like, yeah, maybe you should find a job or something, you know, like you, you have a, a master degree, you, you're going to lose, you're going to, I mean, it's going to be useless if you, should not don't find a job and then i was like no i don't want to do it i was just the good thing is that we're not living in the same country i was in Cambodia, they were in france and then when i came back to france i kind of like uh, my mom uh, gave me a deadline um i said okay no i give myself i give my mom a deadline actually it's me who did it okay give me three months uh to make it work until the end of the year if it's not then uh i'm gonna find a job and once you have three months you have this like pressure deadline you're like I got to make it work if I want to have the, the life of my dream and you hustle, hustle and just, it just blew up at one month after. Yeah. I mean, people, I, I think that pressure is, it's one of the most common threads that I've, uh, that I've identified with uh, people that I talk to. I, 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 once in a while we talk to somebody, you know, they're, they're doing well financially and then they just think, you know what, I'm just going to do this anyways. It just doesn't come up as often. Uh, what comes up as often is that, you know, e-commerce e and entrepreneurship, to speak more broadly, is a pathway for people to become free and to take control of their own lifestyles. So they're, you know, they're living the life that they, they think is um, the, the best opportunity for them for themselves, but also really to make a significant change in the world as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a few uh, there's a few things that um, you know that cropped up as, as um uh, as I'm hearing you des uh, describe this story. Uh, I I, I kind of want to get into a, a little bit more of the background, but I want to make sure that it's like a relevant question. So, um, with your you you did go through. Uh, I understand it was a it was business school, uh, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I do talk to people like we do get people who they've gone through uh, business school and the opinions of it vary. You know, some people say, well, everything I learned, I could have just, you know, I learned online. I think one of the more um, positive takeaways that I had that I can recall more recently is that two things. One is that when you're learning, yeah, yeah, the professor, they're, they're giving you their lecture. But what's unique is the students have the ability to participate and to have the, uh, maybe the professor explain things in a certain way that make it easy for them to understand, which I think increases the value far more than just checking out a YouTube video. And then of course there's your peers working alongside other, building a good work ethic. So what are some of the, the, the positive, and if you feel like it, what are some of the negative things that stuck out to you from your business uh, education that had come with you as you enter into your entrepreneurship? So I think the biggest, the main, yeah, the biggest takeaway, the positive, the fact that I was able to have a, to do an internship in New York, you know, so I was living in New York for a year. It was my first experience, like living abroad, you know, working abroad. It was very, I really loved that year. 
was very good. And uh, that's also how I started to break through in denting because from the start I was denting. Uh, it was not so common in the US, you know, so I had like a very good level for the US compared to France where I was okay, but not like one of the best. So it opened me a lot of doors while I was, I started to teach all over the US to teach, uh, you know, the dancing. And I mean, it was kind of like my first entrepreneurial journey, like to, I was trying to, yeah, make my name in the, in the so I was posting videos, trying to see how I could promote myself the best and everything. And yeah, that was really a great experience. And also like I managed to get a social security number. Uh, that year because I worked in the US. And now I still use this social security number thanks to the, I mean, in my business because my, I incorporated my companies in the US. And it's super useful, you know. Uh, I didn't have to go through like get an ITAN and tax number and everything. I can use my social and it's super useful for the, for the business. And um, yes, yeah, so that's the biggest takeaway. And also was able to, to travel to, yeah, uh, improve my English because I was traveling like, you know, I also did like a year abroad in Poland to, you know, as an exchange student. And uh, yeah, like, of course, the, the how do you say, what I learned in, in class was pretty useless. It's like outdated, like marketing stuff. But overall, I don't regret the experience because, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am right now if, if I wouldn't do it. You know? So I don't, I don't, I usually, I don't have regrets about things in life. Because, yeah, even bad things, bad failures and everything, like, got me to, to be who I am today. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I get asked that once in a while. I says, you know, Joseph, do you have any regrets? And I just like, yeah, like eight. You know, pretty good average, you know, overall. I, I don't know. Um, but I also would say, would I, what time would I would rather uh, go back to? And I say, well, no, there's no time I would rather be than right now. Because each, you know, each day is, it has the potential to be the best day of my life because it has the advantage of every other day that came before it. So yeah, it's, it's helpful to have um, a positive spin on that. And I got to say, like you're, you, every, every time you answer a question, you bring up a new place that you've been to, uh, Poland, New York, um, you're, you're in Bali right now, uh, we're back to Cambodia and France. I w- would imagine that going to New York was probably the most significant um, change in, in, in worldview, um, a, a pretty significant culture shock to, to go from uh, where you were to, to there. Uh, so I, I just want to touch on that too, because this is just fascinating to me. I'm not much of a traveler. I I was doing the social distancing thing even before the lockdown. I just spent yeah. most of my time in my apartment. Um, so yeah, so I I like to hear about like what were what was maybe the biggest culture shock that you had encountered? Like what was the most significant change that you had perceived? Maybe in like the way somebody had treated you, or even the way a business was run, or what was on TV, or just like what really stuck out to you in that way. Um, so when I was in New York, I didn't do business. I was on an internship, you know? Um, so I was like an employee, uh, like I was never like, I never seen myself as an entrepreneur at the time. My goal was to like, you know, um, find a job in a big corporate. And I was like, Oh my God, I have this internship on New York, in New York on my resume. It's going to be so good when I'm going to apply to jobs later. You know, it's, it's a very nice experience. And yeah, the control shock was, I don't know, it's the American culture is so different. What I love with American people are they're really like go-getter. They don't think the French people, they think too much. They are very perfectionist. They complain a lot and they like overthink too much instead of just taking action, you know. And while the American people, for example, they hear about dropshipping, like you can see the difference in like in e-com group dropshipping, like the French groups, people are asking like basic questions like, oh, should I uh, open my company, do this, this? Like they want to have everything perfect before they start. And in the US market, they're like, okay, guys, like, I want to get started. How do I get started with a testing product? And like the most important like things, how to make money. Why 
French people, they are too proper in the mindset. Yeah, that's, I think that's the biggest difference I've seen in the in the approach of, of business for especially for entrepreneurs. Well, in the United States is still the frontier of the, of the whole planet. You know, people come to the U.S. from all over the all over the world because it's it, it is a little bit riskier to be in the U.S. for any number of reasons, many of which get political. But it it is also the place for people to really like get a, a, a grasp on on their own on their own life. I mean, even even me in Canada, which I consider is basically the United States wearing a helmet, is I'm still marketing to the U.S. anyways. So. Even if I don't go to the U.S. directly, it's still involved in my ability to, you know, become freer than I am now. So, so that that makes a lot of sense. But I haven't been to France, so I can't speak to uh, any particular experience there. Yeah, getting back to some of the uh, some some questions that I have regarding your, you know, your e-commerce experience. Once in a while, shiny object syndrome comes up, and I guess what I want to know more about is the line between realizing that something um, does need to be changed or upgraded, uh, or maybe because something might become outdated, versus working on something that's fine, productive, but then being attracted to a, a shine, like you say, a shiny object or, or or an attractive bobble. So does this question make sense? Like, how do we know when actually we actually should? find something to change or something new if something is going wrong or it's not relevant versus just, I don't know, being addicted to something new? It's a very good question. Thank you. I work um, on it. <laughs> so I would say, because the thing is, you know, I'm, since I'm already advanced in e-com, I can feel, feel it. But as a, as a beginner, when you get started, um, yeah, it's, it's more difficult to, because you don't, you're new, you don't know like if what you're doing is right, if you're following the correct information. There's so many like courses and and gurus out there. You you know like some of them are legit, some of them are not. And when you're a beginner, beginner you don't know. So I would say uh, I would reply to this question as both beginner and advanced. Um, as a beginner, you wanna taste it to the to the T. So you wanna find a course, of course, where you can like talk to other people uh, and see like. Uh, if the uh, people in the group have results, if they, you know, following exactly the structure, if no one gets results in the group, there's something sketchy, you know, because like in my group, for example, in my course, like, so students, they love to share their wins and success and, you know, and then it gives like some hope to the new people, you know, like, oh, they, those guys, they, they made it, I can make it too. And um, yeah, like if you've been testing to the T something for like, one month, two months, and you don't see any progress. It's not going anywhere, and you 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 see other that no one is progressing in the group. Then I think the something is off, and maybe it's it's time for for a change. But in general, um, so I start to look at as an advanced person. I start to look at things when I feel I'm stagnating. So you know, like either um, I don't I don't manage to break like past the mark, for example, 10k day or like 15k day, whatever. Like shit, I, I don't manage to to pass that mark. I've tested a lot of things, so maybe it's time to to look for different information to break break that plateau. Or um, if I feel like I'm stagnating and I need to some change in the business, you know, like things are working well, but uh, like I feel like I'm getting in some kind of like comfort zone, and I'm like, I don't like that, like because comfort zone is the enemy of of progress of improvement. And I feel like okay, it's time to for dive into something new so that I can like get new get more stimulated 
yeah, that's that's what I would say. Uh, is there anything else I can add to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, when you get advanced, you, you will you will feel it. Like when you're stagnating and you, you see or or you see other people who are like um, crushing it. And of course, it's super important to master something first before you 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 dive into the next thing. You know, so you master Facebook ads first before you get into Google or or Pinterest ads or Snapchat ads because it's gonna be too confusing if you don't master yet one platform and try to. Uh, yeah, uh, learn a lot of things at the same time. Yeah, you, you know the the, uh, the other question that I wanted to follow up with you. I, you you also uh, answered in the midst of that, which is you know how to go about vetting a course and under and especially for a beginner uh, trying to understand you know is this is this course legit or did I just um, uh, dump a bunch of money for a very hard lesson learned? And and your answer is what are you, you know what are your peers saying? If it if people are succeeding and they're sharing their success and they're legitimizing it, it on the on the ground level, then that adds to uh, a, a great deal of and. Frankly, maybe they crack the code anyways on their own individually. So you just talk to them and, and next thing you know, the students are helping each other out anyways. So, so that also, um, I think for a lot of people is a really important takeaway is a course can be, if, if let's just say, God forbid, it's illegitimate uh, and, and, it's a, and it's a scam, by being isolated and not communicating with others, that's where you'll know for sure, that's where you're definitely going to get got versus participating in the community i think the presence of a community alone should um uh, uh, should put it in the right direction but on top of that are people actually making uh, tangible gains that's that's a huge takeaway and i think i would i would strongly consider that for myself where i just sign up for a course luckily i'm in a unique position i get lots of people to interview so you know i'm kind of like uh, on my own little journey here if i'm understanding correctly you also have your own course too am i right yeah i have a course in french um so when I started to get success in, in e-com, to me, the next step was to teach it because usually that's what I did with for, for dancing. I started to get good at dancing and I was like, okay, I want to teach it now. It's like, to me, it's, I love to share with people. And I was thinking, okay, should I go on the English market or French market? And I was checking what they were doing on the French market and English market, a lot of competition uh, competition on the English market. And the French market, there were some values, some knowledge bombs that I could bring that none of my competitors were sharing. I was like, okay, this is how, where I can differentiate myself. So yeah, I, I just opened my Facebook group and my goal was to share as much value as I can for free, but like not holding back on the value, like resharing like the, like super golden nuggets and for free. And then like people just opened my group. I did what I call the knowledge bomb challenge where every day I was posting a, a golden nugget, either a video or a post with a lot of value. So every day for 30 days. And I also was posting those those um, value posts in uh, different Facebook groups, and then a lot of people were liking it. Some of one of my posts went viral in a, in one of the group. It had like 250 likes and like 100 co comments, you know. And then from there, I just like messaged, uh, DM'd all the people who liked <laughs> the post to to join my group. And then like from there, they see, oh my god, this guy is the real dude. He's showing so much value for free. No one is doing it on the French market, so they talk to their friends. And there's more and more people join the group. And in one month, I grew the group to like 500 members. And then I launched a beta version of my course. And I said, okay, I need 10 beta testers to, that I can like help to get results with. And from there, uh, I would do like a full launch from there. And like, so I took 10 people, like I sold out in 24 hours, <laughs> the 10 people, because I shared so much value for free that they, they were like, oh man, like if this guy is sharing that type of value for free, what is it going to be when, when I'm going to pay for it? And then like out of the 10 people, I think 
you have six or seven people who crossed six figures, two people who crossed seven figures, you know, so like the beta group was like, I also selected, uh, I made like some selection entry questions, you know, to make sure I was uh, only uh, getting like super motivated people and the good mindset because I really wanted to get them results because they would be like my my testimonials, you know, and uh, and my proof of results, basically. And then from there, I just like snowballed because more people like uh, heard about like the results I was getting from my students and they joined. And yeah, and then I started to scale with ads and and yeah, now like I have around like 300 people in my in my course and I grew my Facebook, my public group to 6.5K people. And this is the uh, the Dropship Heroes group, if I'm if I'm in my uh, research. Yeah, this yeah. one, this one, yeah. So yeah, if you speak French, you listen to Postcat and you speak French, just go. Even if you don't, I have some of my friends actually who don't speak English, but uh, sorry, who so don't speak French, but I told them just join the group, check the units, and you can use Google the translate options from Facebook to to see what I'm talking about because there's a lot of things you can learn as well from. Now, um, are you uh, is, is is your group um, still primarily marketing to the U.S. or are you using the French-speaking language to your advantage? Are you marketing? Are you trying to get into uh, just? This, I I don't know exactly what level like how effective or how worthwhile it might be in in the in the French market, but is uh, what what how much of it is in is in that uh, is in that realm? So. The, the way I'm doing graphic, that's what kind of also made, made me different on the French market is I'm not selling neither on the French market, neither on the US market. You know, I had this, this, this strategy that I call like unsaturated markets where I'm going to find big winners because US and French has become fucking saturated. So much, so much competition, even the French market was unsaturated maybe like two years ago. And then some guys uh, came in and they, before me and they, they had like the, he scaled the shit out of their course, like, you know, and Jobstream like, became super popular in France. So it became uh, like super saturated. Um, US, same. So I was like, okay, like I discovered those unsaturated markets a little bit by accident because my ex was like from Norway. And I was like, she's Norway, let's try this market and see how it goes. And it was a fucking gold mine. Like <laughs> we scaled to over like, so I remember like one week after launching the, the, the store, we were getting to 4K per day with 50% profit just on the small market as Norway. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? This is like a gold mine. And we tested two products maybe, you know? And then we tested like two or three more products and we scaled to over 200K in three months with like 40% profit, like numbers that I've never seen on the US market or French market. And I was like, wow. And then I was like, okay, so it's not always working the same. Let's try the, the other countries. Let's try Denmark, Sweden, Germany, like all these European countries, like translating stores so that people think it's they're buying from a local store. And like the, taking those best sellers that we take from that we saw on the French and US market. And if no one scaled it on those unstreamed markets, then it's a blue ocean for us. And that's basically how I, I did dropshipping for the past uh, few years, only doing those. So some, sometimes I would like, find a good product on those markets and I would launch it on the US, the French market and we still work, you know, but that, that uh, French and US are not my primary markets to go for, you know, it's too saturated. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the US, I, I agree with French. I didn't, I, I didn't know about. So, uh, but uh, I, I hear you on that. So one thing that, so this, 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 uh, this uh, crossed my mind earlier because you were just comparing, you know, the, the cultural difference between the more, um, I guess, proactive uh, uh, U- U.S. entrepreneurs versus, I guess, the more reserved 
um, uh, methodical uh, French market. Did you, uh, or French speakers, and were you noticing uh, anything like that with the people who had been reaching out to you to work in the course? Like, were they a little more slower to the take and you had to kind of condition them to be more like, you know, more like the Americans? Yeah, so basically like the way, because of how I am, I think I attracted students that had this more go-getter personality. You know, like they, they don't want to be perfection, they just want to take action and execute fast and get results. And and I think, yeah, people, like, they can identify this trait in, in, in me and they're like, oh, I like this guy, I like the way he thinks, I like how the way he does it. And then they, so they want to join my course, you know, and because they have the same kind of mindset. And I remember like uh, at some point when we were like around 180 students, I had over 90 students that, that crossed the six-figure mark out of 100. So I had a 50% of people of my course that, that reached six figures in sales. It was like pretty impressive. But yeah, it's, it was only like for my organic traffic. But then when I started to scale with ads, then it's different because you have a different quality. Like when you have like people coming for your group from your organic content, and they, they know who you are, they see your content, they see the value you add. When they come from the ads, uh, the quality is that so it's like people who like see the ads, they're like, oh my god, this is like my new opportunity. And they they don't know what they're getting into, and they they, they get into the course, the rest it's super, even if I'm giving super good information, it takes a lot of work, and then they give up, and then they are, yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, it's different. Yeah, but there there's a there's an interesting insight there just about the difference between um, ads, which I mean, it's, it is, it is a gamble with ads regardless, because you're always trying to reach out to as old as you can justify. I mean, you want there to be some warmth, yeah. but the warmer they are, the more likely they're going to commit to something else anyways, versus the efficacy of organic marketing, which, um, conveys more about what the experience will really be like, you know, they, they get to know you a little bit better. They know what to expect and they have an affinity for you. So they're more likely to then uh, reach out and be more in line with how you would want to direct your, your students. So yeah, that, that makes sense. That checks out to me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to veer off slightly just because uh, I want to make sure I get this question. And this is, this is a question I, I enjoy asking because a lot of people that I talk to, um, like such as yourself have, uh, have a distinct background. And I asked you, you know, if there's any uh, takeaways or anything that came with you in business, but I'm also wondering about your, your dance experience. Did, um, and maybe it was, I, I mean, I don't know how much the Kazimba will translate into, uh, into selling product, but maybe about like your, your, uh, determination mindset, uh, habits, did anything from your, from your dance experience form into a skill set that came with you into e-commerce? Yeah, definitely. So, the thing, so what I was doing when I was dancing, so I had this, I was obsessed, you know, when I'm obsessed, I'm like really putting into all my soul into it. And it was the same for the business. And what I'm doing is I'm, I have a, uh, I'm very good at picking up things and then like kind of like writing some kind of process. So like my whole, I have a Google doc and that explains exactly the way I dance. There's super like detail in terms of technique, in terms of musicality, in terms of everything. And I don't think anyone else did that, like in the in the dancing, because it's oops, there was a mosquito. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I keep the same like mindset for the for the business, where I would like always reassess everything that I'm doing, uh, trying to get feedback from people. You know, like for the dancing, I was sending videos to to some of my friends, and I would get the analysis for the business. Then I would like when I have would launch some ads, I would analyze something, I would ask someone, "Hey man, like, can you check?" I ask quickly, like I have those numbers, not sure. And then you don't have this, this thirst for knowledge, like put your ego aside 
and always be like, no, I don't know. And even when you get advanced and always have this like growing mindset where you can learn from anyone, you know, whatever, even like from beginners. Sometimes I, I see my students, you know, talking about stuff and I learn a lot from my students because they discover new, new stuff, you know, and it's not because I'm teaching them that like I have nothing to learn from them. So like this growth mindset that I had from dancing, I translated to the business, the passion also, the obsession. And, uh, and the teaching also, like uh, the way I was teaching dancing, uh, like I'm, because people say I'm very good at explaining complicated things into like sim- in a simple terms and uh, in a simple way, and that's what I did for dancing for my students, and that's what I do also for econ. That's why people love my content because they say like, oh my god, it's just you made it so simple the way from the way you explain. And that's, uh, yeah, that's what they love. Yeah, like my, my dance experience is, uh, is pretty uh, uh, limited. My, my girlfriend, she bought uh, Just Dance on the, on the PlayStation a couple months ago. And I got, I got into <laughs> it like crazy because I'm, as a gamer, I like you know, the, the rhythm. I like trying to match some moves. And so it appealed to my, uh, to my competitive side. And what I noticed and what I think this is true about, um, about you know, instructing dance that can be conveyed into other areas as well is that you, know, you, you got to build the muscle memory. Little by little, you learn the steps. People can't jump into it right away, uh, being uh, being ready to take take it on stage. Over time, the person becomes more comfortable doing the moves until the, to the point to the point where it becomes second nature. And I think that's going to be that's got to be true too about yeah. e-commerce too. Is you got to learn the steps little yeah. by little. Yeah, don't don't go too fast. Like basics are the most important. Yeah. Like the basics are basically the product research, the basics of copywriting, understanding your customer the conversion rate optimization principles, everything. And then you can like yeah. go into techniques that are going to get you to, to scale. You know? Exactly. Because it, it's, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's what I was thinking uh, as well as asking about it very early on about how it was, you know, uh, slow, slow, slow. And then it just exponential because everything clicks all of a sudden. And then all this, all of a sudden, all these, all this training starts to pay off. And then you start to move more organically. Am I describing dancing or am I describing business? I'm trying to do both here. That's the point. Yeah, it's it's there is a lot of similarities in my journey in the dancing and in the business. You know, it's uh, because in dancing too, I was struggling a lot at first, and it became just exponential at some from some point where like everything clicked, and you know, and then when I started, so one of the things also is like so when you start teaching something, it's when you start to remaster something. That's what I noticed. So when I started teaching my dance, like we took another level because I had time to. Break down what I'm doing, you know, because I had to break it down to explain to my students. And the same for business. When I started to teach like ecom, I started to break down like my principles, the way I'm doing into like simple things, simple uh, processes and uh, formulas. And I was like, wow, it's yeah, it works so well to explain this way. And my students they loved it, and yeah, they got results pretty fast, you know. And I'm always focusing on the foundations, foundation, foundation, as you said, first, and then like going to advance more advanced stuff. So, so here's what I uh, what, what I'm wondering now. Where so, uh, well, that, that that question is uh, is wrapped up. Um, I didn't have a follow up for it. I wish I did, but that's okay. So you you were describing that uh, U.S. No, nah, don't don't bother. Don't go where the saturated markets. Uh, it was the Scandinavian countries. I'm pretty sure that's Scandinavia, like you know, yeah. Norway, Denmark. So yeah. I mean, I myself right now, I I've I've got my first um, a few skin cells in the game. Um, and obviously, it's still uh, highly appealing to want to appeal to the U.S. and Canada. And it, and it is more of a cultural thing, just because I, I think I know a little bit more about how to speak to people that I've absorbed their their dialect, uh, you know, pretty much all my life. Um, but so, people in in my position, what would be like the first couple of steps to 
uh, consider selling into you know these the, these less saturated markets like the Scandinavian countries. I, I would imagine language is a barrier. I would still want to go to English speaking countries, but there's quite a few of those. Yeah. So basically, so what you need to do is first like find products that are uh, trendy. So basically, if you have big products that crushed it in the US, that have a broad appeal, you know, mass market product. You don't want to have something too niche because then because those markets are super small. So you, if it's too niche, and you won't have enough uh, customers to scale. But if you take some some cleaning products or cat products or dogs products, like everyone in whatever wherever they're in the world, they all have dogs, cats. Uh, they all need like cleaning products or kitchen products. So those those are like pretty broad niches or cosmetics or beauty. And what you want to do is like yeah, find what what's proven. So you either take what's trending right now, like what is being scaled. So you go to AdSpy or any other product research method, you see what's trending. And then you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You take exactly, you can do some, even scrap. You know, I, I use this 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 app, um, is uh, Happy Scrapper. Happy um, Scrapper. That I'm using. I believe. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know if people are interested. You can, uh, I can put my link. I have even have discount code for people who use it. And if, if they want to use it, and basically this, this app, they can, can scrap any uh, uh, st- product on any Shopify store, plus the reviews, you know. So basically what I do is I just scrap the something that is working. I just translate it. So I find a translator on, on Upwork, on Fiverr, mainly Upwork. Uh, I feel like the quality is better on Upwork than Fiverr. Um, so whatever language, the Norwegian, Denmark, whatever. And then I just translate the whole store um, so for example, for the, for the terms of service and, and, uh, and everything, either you pay someone to translate or you, you find the dropshipping store on AdSpy who already sell to Norway or Denmark and so on. And you just, you just scrap their, uh, their legal pages and you just change the name of your company, you know, so that it, it takes, it takes time. And then later, uh, just to test, you know, then after, if you want to make things clear, uh, have the legal pages more better, then you can hire someone to actually translate something clean. But at first, you don't want to waste too much time on that. You just want to test quickly. So you scrape. Uh, so either, like I said, product that worked very well last year or two years ago or six months ago. And then you just launch them. So you translate everything. Higher translate on Upwork. You also translate the ad copy, the creative. Sometimes I don't even like, I just take the same creative from the store because I want to test fast. I just launch it, see if it works. And then from there, if it works, then I, I just redo it. I redo my own content. With either like uh, other YouTube videos, like making a mix of YouTube videos or uh, having some UGC content, you know, finding influencers on uh, on Instagram and like micro influencers and ask them to do UGC. And then the, the the testing method is pretty classic. So yeah, like ABO with like for example, you can launch ten ad sets with like ten different interests. Since the market is smaller, like you would need to for example, if you if you sell to Norway, it's going to be five million people. So uh, you can start with audiences that are like 200k uh, people in the audience just for the testing, and then better, of course, the, the broader the better. Um, yeah, and see if it picks up, and then from there you can you can scale. And the thing is, like with this, this condiment market, they have a big purchasing power, so you can even price higher than. Uh, there are some products that I saw that were sitting at some certain price in France or US, and I was like, okay, no way, it's so because I was in no way, it's so fucking expensive, man. This is this country is nuts, like in terms of uh, cost of living. So I was like, okay, let's bump the price. Let's see. It would, it would convert a 10% uh, commission rate with a higher price. So better margin, better profit, better commission rate. 
people are not so complaining as much in those countries than in the uh, US or France. You know, it's like in the culture, they are more like, they, you know, they just don't complain, you know, they don't raise their voice much. I think they're, uh, yeah, there is a word for it. I think they're content. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Even if they're not happy, <laughs> they would, they wouldn't like, you know, uh, be super, uh, loud about it. So yeah, basically find mass market. So if you, if for people listening to podcasts, if you have something already working on the US market, French market, whatever, uh, just take the same stuff that you is proven for you, translate it, launch it on a new store that is fully translated to one of those markets. So Norway was ancestral, but now I think I sent too many people there. So it becomes more difficult, but it's still more easy to than the French or US market to me. But Denmark, Sweden are super good. Also, like if you want to do English market, uh, you can do UK. So basically, like have a store like in British pounds, and it will convert. If you sell only to UK, and it will convert way better than if you have a store in USD. So uh, yeah, some of my students are like, crushing to the UK market. It's less competitive than the US. Um, yeah, and you need also need to of course have the language translated plus the currency in the local market. So you just Google it and see what. It's, uh, and if you're on Shopify, so let's say you already have a store in USD, you want to change the currency to, for example, the Danish kron, like the, the currency in Denmark, but you already had some sales on the store, all you need to do is contact the Shopify support and they, they will make a change for you so that you can you can do it. And then, and then it's one of testing of products. So general stores work super well on those markets. You can do also like niche store, one product store I did it to, it works. Uh, most important is like yeah, the, taking something that is proven and just relaunching it, just translate it. That's the, that's the idea. And then what about logistics? Um, is there, are there particular 3PLs that um, are, are more effective to servicing those parts of the uh, of the world? So it's basically the same, it depends on the country, but like you have a, you, the same one that you can do it, like Unixpress, 4PX, uh, ePacket, uh, if you're testing the product, you can use uh, AliExpress on our shipping at first, but of course it's better to move to uh, an agent or supplier later when you scale. Uh, but yeah, you can you can daily have delivery depending on the country, like seven to two weeks, seven days to, to two weeks. You know, pretty fast. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty from China. It's it's pretty easy to send to the, to those markets. You know, and then you have even more like because I just talked about Scandinavia, but I have. Students crushing to Germany, others like is crushing to Spain. Like Spain, I never managed to make anything work there. Like a lot of like I took out, but not so much sales. But some of my students made some good numbers there. I managed to scale some products to Portugal. Uh, some of my friends are selling to Japan, to Romania. And also, what you need to do is also acquire like, the local payment processor because some, for example, in Germany, like people pay eighty percent of people pay with PayPal. So it's like, if you don't have PayPal on your store, you, you're not going to be able to sell to Germany. So it's a lot of information like that that you need to know. Um, if you have Klarna, you know, it's going to be market, it's going to be better, but like Strap and PayPal is enough. Usually 80% of people pay by card. So you don't even need PayPal if you're, I know a lot of people are banned from PayPal. So <laughs> you can say to this market, we've just like Strap the credit cards. So my friend who was selling to Japan told me like, just same Strap and PayPal is enough. So yeah, but it's always better to do some research about the local payment processor and, and see if you have it, it's going to be better too. Yeah, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, uh, just one small thing I need to clarify for my own sake. So um, it sounds to me like, let's just say, for instance, I started selling to Japan. Uh, I would want to get uh, a Japanese domain and basically like copy maybe as much of my website over as I you can. You don't need to. No? Okay. 
you need a Japanese domain. .com is enough. Okay. I said, I went to .com or .co and it works, whatever the country okay. is. But is it, but am I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just uh, I'm not sure about this. You have to forgive me. But so if I'm, uh, if, if I'm still selling to uh, Japan, I can I can translate everything over. Now, is it one website that will switch languages, or am I still putting up like a secondary website to service that particular area? Uh, yeah, secondary is better because I tried like to have this one multilingual store, and it's a big mess. You can use the app Weglot for that, but it's a big mess because then your email sequences is is not translated, and like because Shopify is not so good with multilingual uh, stuff. You know, so it's better to have one store per country. Also, like when you launch on Facebook, one page, don't put your, all your eggs on the same um, on the same basket. If you get the band, uh, you launch all you, you have five, you sell uh, product to five different countries on the same page uh, or the same ad account. And if you get banned, then you, then you lose all your market. So it's better to have one page, one ad account, and one website per country. Yeah, yeah, that makes that it, it makes a, a, a way more sense that way because you also need to specify payment processors, specify language. Um, and so the, the, the list of reasons to do it just goes on and on. And so it's, it's important to keep that in mind. And, and for that matter, you know, most of the design work is already done. Like if I were to start selling in Germany, I know what my website looks like. Most of that is taken care of. It's yeah. just about, okay. And then, and also it's, it seems prohibitive at first, but a lot of the, uh, the, the logistics and, and payment processing, of course, when most people say logistics, they just talk about shipping. When I say logistics, I think all backend because that's just me. But once you figure that stuff out, you figure that stuff out for the first store. Now you understand that for any additional store yeah, that a person wants exactly. to run. So it, committing to a country takes, yeah, it does take some extra research. So I would say like, if it, for me, I would think very carefully about which country I would want to market to. Um, and then from there, you know, the, the sky's the limit with how many stores I can uh, I can potentially run. And you, if you, with this method, you need one product that is crushing it and you can scale it like horizontally with, across like five different stores and five different countries. That's also the magic of this, this method. You need to, once the product die, you need to find another product. You just launch the same product that is proven to different markets and scale where, because it's not going to work on every market, uh, just scale like the ones that are working. And if it's not, then it's okay, you just test it. And it's worth mentioning too, um... You know, not, not that we, uh, I, I try not to get too much into like, you know, uh, plugging territory, but you're, 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 it's, it's the beautify. It's the, the beautify theme that's been, um, uh, that's been highly useful for, for, for your students as well. So you've been able to, it's yeah. the beautify theme that you guys are, are firing up when setting up in another countries as well. Yeah. So that's, that's what I accepted to this podcast because I really like the beautify. It's so simple to use. And that's the go-to term I, I say to my to my student, like just go for the beautify. It's so good. You start with the free plan and can upgrade later if you want. It's simple, it's clean. And yeah, it's basically you translate all the, the guarantee uh, things that you have, you know, on the, by default on the beautify. That, that's what I love also on the team. It's like those guarantee things that you have on the footer. Uh, you can translate them. And it's good because you can do either one product store, branded store, general store. With the it's like very very versatile, and uh, yeah, like I tell all my students to do it, and now they they all they are all using the beautifies. Yeah, we didn't want, I didn't want to spend too much time just to get you to 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 praise the beautify, but I also wanted to make sure that I got it in there just uh, just a little bit. By the way, if you're a current user of Debutify or haven't tried us out yet, Debutify version three has been released, and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. 
a streamlined user interface along with an ever-increasing array of conversion-boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows? Maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long. So one of the components to your business, I just also wanted to hear a little bit about, um, which is uh, a digital flow. Uh, you have to forgive me if like, you've already mentioned it, but maybe you didn't call it the name. So this is your, is this an ad agency that you're running? No. So basically it's just like when I opened my first company, I was like, okay, maybe I need to, maybe I'm going to switch to an agency or something. And I wanted some kind of like fancy name. So I just came up with digital flow agency, but in the end I'm just doing e-com and having the course right now. Uh, and it's more like my personal brand name that is used uh, rather than the, the name of the company. So it's like people know me as Frontep and not like digital flow agency, uh, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, fair enough. We're, we're coming up on the, on the final uh, basically 10 minutes of this of this here episode. And I, I got to say the, the, the value has been immense. And so I'm just like, my, my brain is just in, a, in absorption right now. So I checked out some of the uh, the content that you had written on uh, Medium.com. There's some cool articles there that uh, I would I would recommend people to check out. Um, there's one I want to definitely make sure that we uh, that we make time for, which is about morning routines. Now I, I haven't talked, to, I haven't done too many mindset questions lately, but morning routine is probably one of the most important elements to a person's day. If they don't have their mornings right, the whole day can fall apart. And I know this because exactly. I've, even even days where like I didn't quite wake up at my ideal time, it it compa- it's exponential and it messes up with the re- the remainder of the day. So uh, exactly. I, I'd love to, for yeah. you to um, let's let's start with the present and we'll work our way backwards. So what is your morning routine these days, and then how did we construct this over time? So the first something super important in morning, if you have one, to me it's like one of the biggest takeaway you can take from the from this podcast, even more than the technique I share about the unsaturated markets, it's don't look at your phone first thing in the morning. Like it's so life changing and once I started to do it, because when you start to you like you wake up, you first thing you start to check your phone, your messages, and you you start your your day in your reactive mode. You're like. You know, if you get some stressful messages from your team or from your family or whatever, uh, and you like, and you also like use your brain to this boost of dopamine from the morning. You know, while like usually if you want to get dopamine, you gotta get, put in the work and like, and you get like dopamine from the satisfaction of of uh, of getting work done. And if you yeah, you feed yourself with like dopamine right from the start, it's not gonna help you with productivity. It's gonna put you in reactive mode. So usually what I do is I don't watch my phone until like noon usually um so i do like my deep work uh in the morning um so my routine is like so i get started no no phones you can you can uh what i can do is that you can put your phone in a where in a like your alarm or your phone that if you use the alarm on the phone somewhere that you have to stand up to turn off the alarm so that you get started and first thing i do is like cold shower because it wakes me up you know um, like cold shower. I mean, in Bali, it's not so cold, but like I was doing it in Europe when I was living there like, during the winter. And trust me, it really puts you into like good mood because you do something that is super uncomfortable. The cold water wakes you up, and you get like you feel good after you're like, "Whoa, I did it!" Like I, it was so you you accomplish like a hard task. I don't know if you read the, the book like "Eat the Frog" by uh, Brian Tracy. Basically, it's like he says that if you eat, you start your day by eating a frog. 
then you you cannot have it's like you did the most difficult thing uh, during the day and the, the day cannot be worse than that you know so that's the idea with the, this cold shower uh, thing uh, and then from there I like to do uh, meditation uh, reading for like 10 minutes you know just do some business I like to read business books in the morning for like 10 minutes meditation for like 10 to 20 minutes depending on the day and uh, write journaling so sometimes I journal in the morning sometimes I journal in the in the evening, depending on if I have ideas, thoughts that I want to write down. And then I get started with my day. So it's super important to do like no notification, nothing like deep work on the first. So most important task of the day, something that needs to like, you need intense focus because that's in the morning that you're the most focused. And yeah, you work on this task for like one hour and a half, two hours, and then take some breaks. It's important to take breaks and then uh, do another like deep work session, you know, for at least, so it's like you want to get done at least like three hours of deep work per day because that's what's going to move the needle in your business. Once it's done, then you can feel like your day is like, you will feel like feel like it's going to be like noon and you'll be like, shit, I did already so much you know, during my day. And then in the afternoon, I do more like easy, easy, shallow tasks and replying to messages, to email, to my team and, uh, and everything. That's, the, that's what my day looks like basically. And and this didn't all happen all at once, which is, I think is one of the issues that I um, that I identified with myself and that I, I picked up when I read the article is that somebody who's like a, a total bum, they have no good habits whatsoever, and they wake up one day and they think they're going to be able to do all of this. And that's just not true. The reality of it is, is that you you have to build this like one habit at a time. Exactly. And you want to do it small. For example, if you, you want to take the habit of meditation. Don't put yourself uh, too much pressure on doing like 10, 20 minutes per day. Just say, okay, today I'm just going to get one minute of meditation. I'm just going to close my eyes. Maybe like with 10 times like this, like inhale from the nose, exhale from the from the mouth for like 10 times, boom. And this, and when you get started with the, uh, the thing, you're like, maybe you're going to be, okay, if I do just one minute, it's fine. I did what I need to do. But sometimes you will go like longer, you know, and you feel happy about it. So you want to focus first on the consistency and then on the habit in itself. So same for the cold shower. Like now I'm doing I'm doing full, full cold shower, but you can do it first. Okay, I'm just gonna like open the, the cold shower. So I'm just gonna take, take one spray for like maybe five seconds. And then I will like change it to the uh, colder. So always find a way to minimize the habit as much as possible so that you, you get consistent with it. And that's what I do is I also have a tracker where I, you know, I have a daily tracker where I, I track like if I did my habits, how my day went and everything. That, that's something I learned when I took a, a coaching about performance and productivity. And uh, yeah, focus on consistency first and uh, and then yeah, build the habit little by little until it becomes like second nature. And uh, yeah, I'm passionate about this topic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, 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 well, I appreciate it a lot because there was a few things that weren't even like work, working out for me in, in the morning. And it's funny too because just to tie the whole thing in full circle is that there's numerous similarities between this and you know teaching somebody how to how to dance is that you know you have to do these little habits little by little, and then over time they become second nature. Next thing you know, you're doing you're doing it naturally. Uh, cold cold shower though, that's yeah. been a a hard, hard barrier to cross. I have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What habits are you struggling with right now? Um, uh, consistently getting up. Um, I what I try to do is I have my alarm at eight a.m., but I try to have like a natural wake up. So I'm trying to like wake up naturally at seven and use eight a.m. as like um uh, as a uh, as a as an alert to to get up. And 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 the hard part is just fighting the urge to you know cozy up in bed for for a few more minutes. So. 
I mean, there's <laughs> other problems too, but that's the, the first one that I that I fight. Do, do you have your alarm next to you? Uh, no, I uh, I do have to get up out of bed to, to go. And I don't, okay. it's not my phone. I have um, a product that I'm actually tempted to drop ship because it has this light thing that, pop, that comes up. <laughs> and uh, so my yeah. phone, I turn my phone off at night and I go put it somewhere in the other room. And I try to mix it up each time so that when I go in there, I'm like, where did I put my phone? Just to try to like minimize the chances before I um, uh, before I end up turning it on. Yeah, have you read Atomic Habits from James Clear? Ha- uh, Habits from the book. Okay. At- Atomic Habits from James Clear. I think it's the best book you can read on the subject about building habits, breaking bad habits, and so so good. So highly highly for recommended to anyone who's wants to increase their productivity. Okay. Well, that's uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I brought down everything that you had mentioned so far. So. Uh, that's uh, eat the frog and habits and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would start with atomic habits. Yeah, fascinating. Well, th- and and I'm glad I brought this up because the person needs to be uh, able to to succeed. It's not just uh, the methodology behind dropshipping. It's about the person exactly. and being able Mindset, to pull it off. Yeah, exactly. Identity. Yeah, I'm listening a lot to Sam Ovens in general. Also, super smart guy. He has a lot of podcasts and videos on YouTube. Super. Uh, like every morning I start my day. Actually, I I listen to a podcast of Sam Ovens, even if I did, already listened to it. Sometimes just listen to it again and just learn new things. So it's it's good stuff. Excellent. Um, well, with that, Florian, we've uh, we're just about to uh, come up on an hour, uh, and I have to say this has yeah. been a fantastic episode. Uh, I've just like I said, my brain is just uh, soaking all of this in, and I'm hoping my <laughs> audience gets to do that as well. So before I do my wrap up question, there is one other question that I'd like to uh, to pitch you, which is. Um, you don't have to make like predictions. Some people don't feel good about making predictions, so no worries. But like, what would you like to see um, uh, change or grow or evolve in the dropshipping space maybe in the next two to five years? Is there anything that kind of sticks out to you that you'd like to be like, I really like this to be different or I think we can improve here in this in this area? Uh, you mean in general? What needs to be changed? In, in, in dropshipping, drop shi- drop yeah. A lot of scammers like that the the that's why also like facebook became so hard with everyone is because like they, they ship the product okay, sorry they send the product but they don't ship anything so it's good it's actually good that there is all these restrictions because it also filters the bad actors of the the market and yeah like uh, like people focusing more on the the quality of the product rather than the just selling any shit uh yeah more professional like professionalization in the and the industry so that it's not perceived as something uh, because the is perceived like very badly outside of the by the customers by a lot of people you know so yeah yeah i i agree with that i because i mean I'm, I'm coming in on a on a later wave of it um where a lot of these restrictions have already been imposed and and i do feel good about that because it, it, it brings it back to this is at the end of the day you're still running a business and you know you have to have a brand you have to have a mission and so uh, for that reason, the, the harder it is, the more it brings it back to you have to run a legitimate operation. And that's uh, kind of like my my final word on that. And with that, um, so the, the wrap up question for you is if there's any other advice or a Chinese proverb you like, anything along those lines, feel free to share it and then let the audience know how they can uh, get a hold, especially if they are uh, French speaking. Yeah. So, yeah, last advice I can tell is like for people who are beginners, uh, shiny object syndrome is, is, I think, is the problem of most of the beginners. Like, don't try to find the magic pill, the magic, uh, the secret that is gonna like make you rich overnight. Just find a good course uh, or someone that you, a good mentor, and follow exactly what he's saying. Hustle, hustle, hustle until 
get results is going to be hard. Shit, shit is going to hit the fan a lot. But if you don't, if you have the mindset, you're determined and you focus, super not focused, then you're going to get results. You know, there's no other way. And uh, for to find me, so you can find me on Instagram, Florian Tep, uh, all attached, or just tap Florian Tep, T-E-P. And uh, you're going to find me on Instagram. If you have any questions after listening to this podcast, uh, DM me. I receive a lot of DMs, but I'm trying to reply to everyone. And uh, for the French people, so if you, if you speak French, you can join my group on Facebook, Dropship Heroes. And uh, I also have a YouTube channel. You can type Florian Tep, it's in French, and you can check my content there. Yeah, excellent. I honestly, as you said, for the French uh, speakers, I thought you were just gonna tell them in French and in, in French and just the. <laughs> I, uh, no, I mean, if they're listening to this podcast, they they, they may uh, understand English too, you know. Yeah, and yeah, if, yeah. of course, some English people want to join my group or find my Instagram too. Like it's it's fine; they can follow me, and I'm happy to to help. Awesome. Well, with that, um, uh, once more, you you have my uh, my sincere thanks for, uh, for your time and your knowledge. And uh, to our audience, uh, a, th- a big thank you to all of them as well for, for for sharing in this and giving me the opportunity to be able to collect and provide this information and also be the difference you want to see in the world. Uh, thank you to um, to my team, to, to Angela, to, to Micah, um, to, for, for all the work they do to uh, put this content together on the back end. Uh, I know I've done editing too, and we don't get thanked that much, and it kind of sucks. So I'm just trying to change that. So, so thanks, guys. It, it means a lot to have to know that you guys have my back. And with that, take care, and we will check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.